On Sunday mornings, we've been going through a series we've called Call Out. And that the basis of this is really focusing in on our individual, personal prayer lives. And my goal has been to help us understand that as we pray, there are different ways and styles to do that. But the, the, the point is that we do it consistently, that we do it sincerely, and that we do it reverently. And, and as we've gone through this series on Sunday morning, you may have noticed, I haven't really taken pains to point it out, but we've talked about four types of prayers. The prayer, prayer of adoration, uh, where we adore God for who he is. The prayer of confession, where we, where we come to God and we freely agree with what is true from his word, from his spirit. We confess of ourselves and we confess about our current life situation with sin we're struggling with, things we're going through. And we also have the prayer of thanksgiving where we come to God and we thank God. We thank God for who he is, but we also recount all the many blessings he's given us. And then the prayer of supplication, which we said last week was the prayer of, of asking on behalf of ourself or someone else. And I put all those four prayers together. It gives us the, the Acts prayer. It's the Acts model. And some of you have pointed out, see, this is the, the direction you're going. I want, to, I want to tell you that the Acts prayer model is just that. It's just a model. It's not meant to be um, the end-all, be-all. It's not the only way you can pray. In fact, many of you have said, well, I pray this way. And some of you use the little hand model and, and have different ways of thinking about, as you pray, uh, a way to make sure that you can sort of get all the bases covered. And, and that's great. I just want to warn us about the danger of the Acts model or any model. And that is, we get so focused on the, the method, on, on the, the how-to, the mechanics, if you will, that we forget the meaning, the why. That can be done with the Acts model. It can be done with any model of praying. In fact, Jesus reminded us that, that the people of that day, some of the religious leaders, though their, their lips honored him, their hearts were far from him. And so the danger, of course, with any model, including even the one he gave us in Matthew 6, is the Lord's Prayer, is that, and some do this, where they, they take it and they just recite it again and again, week after week, day after day, and it's just an utterance. It has no meaning. The words fall flat. That wasn't what Jesus was talking about. Whether we use this model or any other model, the, the point is we want to try to uh, have a connection with God that's sincere, consistent, and reverent. Um, if you think of... Think of, uh, step outside of the religious world for a second. Um, let's talk about dieting. Okay, there are a lot of different methods and models for dieting. Okay, do you go with low sugar? Do you go with, do you go with low fat? Do you go with gluten free? Do you go all organic? Do you just count your calories? Okay, well, I'm not sure what method you use, but I'll tell you that they all work if you'll do them and do them consistently. That's the trick. We so get, get caught up in the models that we sort of focus on that's the only way. They, all the models work. The, the, the key is you just have to apply them consistently. I myself am on the Chick-fil-A diet. Uh, it is delicious. It's not very effective, but it is delicious. Okay, um, what about investing? How do you invest? How do you save for the future, for retirement, for college? How do you do that? Do you, do you do, are you an active investor? Are you a passive investor? You invest in mutual funds or stocks or ETFs, bonds. Well, what is it that you invest in? What's your model? What's your method? There's lots of different people who give you lots of different methods. 
And the trouble with that is that people can get so focused on this method or that method, this one or that one, which one should I do? And they get stuck in the trap called paralysis by analysis. And so they don't go on the diet, any diet at all, because they don't want to mess it up. They don't ever invest, and so they hit their 60s, and they can't stop. They can't retire because they're not ready, because they were paralyzed by too much analysis. The other day, or actually just yesterday, Tyler and I were driving down the road, and there was a squirrel, and he was crossing May's Road, a very busy road. And that squirrel, fortunately, did the right thing. I mean, he just darted out there, and he went. I've seen other squirrels who, you know, <laughs> and we know what happens, right? Squirrel pancake, okay? The, the, the point is, we got to, when we pray, not get so focused on the model that we forget the meaning. If Acts works great for you, wonderful. If you have your own model, fine. But do it. Do it consistently. Do it thoughtfully. Do it reverently. And be sincere about it. However you do it. Okay? And as you pray, may you not forget uh, the importance of, of, of actually taking the, the step making the decision, deciding to pray. Now, how Jesus explained that is how Jesus explained a lot of things. He told a story. He told a story about a woman that no one knew. Quite frankly, probably very few people even cared about. He told a story about a woman who had no power, no prestige, no political connections or savvy, she was a widow. The Bible tells a lot about God's people the importance of looking out after the widows and the orphans. Why? Because they're the forgotten part of that society and probably even today's society. They don't have anything to offer. They, they often don't have many means. They don't have many connections. They often get just, they just fall through the cracks of our world. This woman had fallen through the cracks and she had a problem. She had an enemy, for whatever reason, an adversary who was giving her a whole lot of grief. And she didn't know how she was going to get out of it. So Jesus tells a story about what she did in order that we might learn what we must do as we pray. If you're following along in your Bibles, you want to turn to Luke chapter 18 is where the story is found. Luke chapter 18. If you're uh, scrolling along on your phone or tablet, great. If you're looking up in your Bible, fine. If you don't have a Bible, there's a one in the pew in front of you. It's on page 1038. Okay? Turn there. I'll be reading from my translation. I hope you'll follow along. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said... In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. I don't fear God or care about men. And yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? And will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. 
However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find such faith on the earth? I want to look at this story. I want to analyze it, but not overanalyze it. I just want to help us us to learn one final important part of praying as we pray to the Lord in our personal prayer lives. First, this widow had a problem. Okay, She was fed up. And that's the point where you begin to solve problems, by the way. I mean, I told you stories of, of methods of dieting and investing. Both of those happen when you reach a pinch point in your life. When you say, I've had it. I'm tired of the way things are, enough so that I'm willing to endure the discomfort required to change, to act. When you, you have had heard enough comments about your weight... When those pants, you, there is no way you are fitting in them, no matter how much Crisco is applied. When, when there, it, there is no, you are tired of it. You are tired of not feeling good. You're tired of not having any energy. And you say, I don't care what I do. I'm going to do something. Something's got to change. When you're looking at your portfolio, which is effectively zero, and people worry about the market going up and down, you say, I don't care because I, I don't have any portfolio. And you get closer and closer and you get older and older and you figure out that nothing's going to happen unless you happen. And so finally you go and you say, I've had it. I've got to do something. I've got to get on a budget. I've got to sign up for FPU. I've got to sign up for Legacy. I've got to get something done to make things happen. This is what happened to the widow. She had had enough. Jesus doesn't tell the story of exactly what the adversary was doing, but she had a problem And the adversary kept coming, and it wasn't getting any better. Her circumstances and her position were not changing. Her ability to affect change was not changing. Maybe you're there. I mean, the point at which a problem begins to be solved is when you look at that problem long enough, and you say, I've had it. No more. It stops right now. That's a good point to be at, because you finally decided to do something about it. And stop complaining and stop whining and stop blaming other people. You just say, what do I do from here? The widow experienced a Psalm 78 kind of moment. Okay, Turn to Psalm 78 so you know what the reference is about. Uh, I should say you shouldn't turn to Psalm 78. You should turn to Psalm 73. would be more effective. Psalm 78 would be interesting, but would not make a lot of sense. Psalm chapter 73 We're not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to look at verses 25 and 26. And the psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You see, what happened was she had a problem and she was fed up. And so she did. She acted. She did the right thing, which all righteous people do when they realize when they've lost everything and all they have is them and God. They realize they have more than enough. And when she was fed up, she did the next right thing and she looked up. She she positioned positioned herself. Now, in the story, of course, it's with the one who can affect change. It's with the one person who can grant her justice in whatever this problem she has with her adversary. It's this judge. The problem is the judge doesn't care about her. The judge doesn't care about anybody. The judge doesn't even respect or fear God. 
This is not a good guy to, to, to be bringing your problems to. But he's the only guy who can make a change in her life. Who with a decision in a moment, with, with an order, can change everything. And so, because she knows he's the answer to the problem, that's where she goes. Her position didn't change. Her, her predicament didn't change. What changed is her perspective on it. Her willingness to go and, ch- and say, I'm not, do- I'm not living like this anymore. I'm gonna, I can't solve the problem myself, but I know one who can. I'll go to him. This one won't be on the screen, so you'll need to turn there. Psalm 34, verse 17. Psalm 34, verse 17. The psalmist said, I thought this is beautiful, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Where did Daniel go when he was lowered into the lion's den? Surrounding by growling, hungry lions, where did he go? The same place he had always gone. To the one, to the only one who could solve his predicament right then. Where did Elijah go when the entire world, or at least so it seemed to him, was turning to a false god named Baal? When they would beat themselves and dress up and dance crazy and just pour themselves out and cut themselves in front of this just utterless, utterly useless idol named Baal. When the peer pressure must have been enormous. Where did he go? The same place that Daniel went. What did Job do when he lost it all? Where did he go? When he didn't have any family, when he lost all of his possessions, where did he turn? To the same one he'd always been turning to. May we do as the widow did. Now, I know we've covered this verse several times in this series, and I'm hoping that you'll get it, and may, more importantly, may it get you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. The New Testament tells us very clearly to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, submit your requests I always like to think of it as even submitting yourself to God. And, and, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, as a, a confessed control freak, when I have a problem, my tendency is to engage the problem. That if I, Toby, do enough on the problem, I can fix it. And what I've learned in 39 years is that many times when I engage the problem, what I usually do is make it worse. So what I've got to do is stop seeking to engage the problem myself and ask him to engage the problem for me. Because he'll answer it right. He'll engage it correctly. He'll solve it completely. He'll absolutely level it where you don't have to worry about it anymore. Now, if you're not a control freak, you don't want to engage the problem. If you're a little bit more on the worrying, anxious side, 
what you'll do is you'll not engage the problem. You'll step over here and you'll worry about the problem. And you'll worry about it and you'll turn it over in your mind a thousand times and you'll waste two hours of good sleep that you could have had just, just wondering, just worrying, just thinking about all the ways that it could, all the ways that it could go wrong, all the things you could do, why you can't do this, why you can't do that, and you will drive yourself crazy in worry. And then there are those people that I look up to that are right on this side of it. Instead of worrying, they decide they're going to trust God with it. That doesn't mean they don't do anything. That doesn't mean they just, they, they, they don't, but they, they just do the right thing and they trust God. Now, I need to under, help you understand first, between trusting God and worrying, okay? You can do one or the other, but you cannot do both. You cannot say, I trust God and still say, well, I just want to hold on to it and just keep it as my very own pet. I just want to, I just, just let me have it. Just let me think about it. Just let me work on it. And God says, listen, I thought you said you trusted me. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. You know, turn there, turn there. If you know it, you know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what does it say? Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make the path straight. He's the one that's going to solve the problem, but if you're going to let him solve it, you got to stop worrying about it. Now, that doesn't mean you can't wonder. That doesn't mean you can't, man, I don't know how God's going to do it, but in your heart of hearts, you got to let it go, and you got to stop letting it have hold of you, and you got to say, problem, I'm putting you into the hands of the one who can fix you, and those aren't my hands. So she did the right thing, and may we do the right thing in looking up so that we can have peace. You got trouble? I'm sure you do. We all do. The thing is, you got to stop trying to fix it yourself. And you got to trust him to do it. And you got to stop worrying about it. God's going to work it out. It will not be in the way in which you think It's supposed to work out. It will not be in the timing that you believe it should happen. But God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you believe that, you got to trust him. you got to let it go. And you got to put it in the hands of the one who can fix it. And so that was her her power. She didn't let up. She was fed up. And then then she looked up and she didn't let up. Now, I said when you let stuff go, I mean, you stop trying to solve it for you. But that doesn't mean you stop praying about it. That doesn't mean you stop worrying about it. Uh, I know we're in Luke 18, but go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Now, Jesus is coming off talking about prayer, but in Matthew chapter 7, he's kind of giving us the perspective that we need to have in our attitude. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, If I pair up Matthew 7 with Luke 18, here's what I learn. We've got to ask faithfully, and it will be given to us. 
We've got to seek continually, and you will find. You've got to knock persistently, and the door will be open. The knocking is not just, hey, God, it's me. I just want to, I want to let you. It's this, it's this constant knocking. It's this not giving up. It's this persisting. It's this not letting up and letting God know that this is on your heart, and you've got the problem, and the problem ain't going away, and you can't fix it, and you need him. I gotta stop knocking because my knuckles really hurt. You have to learn to surround the problem with God. And that's what she did. And she was surrounded. She was, she was not relenting from the judge. Now I'll, I'll tell you a couple stories. First, let me direct this one to the teens. And specifically the gentlemen. Gentlemen, I know as you sit among the youth group, you probably begin to notice some of the young ladies. Beautiful, aren't they? Sure. As you notice them, perhaps you think, boy, I would really fancy a date with that young lassie. I don't know what you call them these days. <laughs> but I don't have the courage. I could never do it. She'd, she'd just tell me no. She'd, she'd, I just need to give you one word from on high, okay? And that word is this. Three, three words, actually. Are you ready? You want to write this down or tweet this or something? I don't know, but persistence... Beats resistance. Persistence beats resistance. I have a beautiful bride. I think she's sitting over here. She won't raise her hand if she is. But anyway, she's beautiful. Oh, there she's back. Oh, she's over here. Okay, good. <laughs> she, <laughs> I don't know what she looks like, but she's beautiful. Uh, or where she sits. <laughs> now. I'm sure many of you have asked, and so many people in the congregation, how did a beautiful woman like Christy get with such an ugly oaf like me? And the answer is three words. What are they? That's right. I still remember the very first day she came to the youth room. I'm sure the youth minister was talking about Jesus or something, but I did not listen. The moment she walked in, my brain disengaged from everything else. Okay. The world went slow motion. She kind of did one of these hair shakes. I mean, it's, it's. Now, at that moment, at that moment, I knew I was going to marry that girl. But she didn't know that. In fact, her strategy was more of a one word defense. But I didn't give up. I kept on. I was nice to her. I was kind to her. I paid attention to her. And when the opportunity arose, I said, Christy, would you go on a date with me as friends? That's the other key. You've got to fly under the radar. Go on. <laughs> Stay in the friend zone. You can work a lot of good there. Okay. I persisted. I didn't give up. All right. That's a silly one that, that I'll give you. A second one is this. I, I know a guy who you know, but I'm not going to say, say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But he worked for a company, and he wanted to buy that company. He didn't. The problem was he couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. And so every day he'd go to work, and he would he would do this. I'll give you a cue for the camera people. You have to pay attention. I'm moving now. Okay. So every day he would do this at work, and he would walk around his business. He would walk around the entire floor just on the outside. Now, nobody else was paying attention, but what was happening in that moment as he was walking around is that he was praying a prayer. God, if you can make this happen, I need you to make this happen. If it's not your will, if it's not supposed to happen, if it would be more a curse than a blessing, fine. But he walked that. He just wore out a rut in that business 
praying over it and praying around it and praying over it. Do I need to finish the story? God provided a way. God provided a way, not because because he knew the heart of his, his child and he knew what he wanted and he knew he wasn't going to give up. May we knock consistently. May we knock and not give up. May we knock faithfully. May we pour out ourselves into prayer. And may, we, may, may God know our hearts by the things that we pray over and pray over and pray over and do not give up, which is the point. That entire sermon, the entire story, was just one thing. In fact, he says it right there at the beginning of Luke 18, that they should always pray, always pray, and not give up. He asked this question at the end. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find such faith on earth? I wonder about that. I wonder in here who he knows that are consistent, sincere, reverent, and faithful prayers. So, remember, remember our instructions. We get a couple of them in the, in the New Testament. And, and focus on these with new eyes, okay? Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. May we devote ourselves as the widow devoted herself to prayer. She didn't devote herself to the problem. She devoted herself to praying over the problem, to bringing the problem and putting it in the hands of the one who could do something about it. We've, we've covered this next verse as well, and it was read for you this morning. Rejoice always. You see, I don't think the widow was downtrodden once she began to put this problem and she began to approach the judge. Because every day she had one thing she could do that would affect and get her justice. She knew the one thing she could do. And when she did it, all the burdens were lifted. And pray continually. May we not give up. And we give thanks in all circumstances because we know when it's in his hands, then it's covered. We've seen that happen again and again and again. I just throw out names that immediately you know. Bailey Banning was covered in prayer by people who would not give up. Josh Oakley was covered in prayer by people who would not give up, would not relent. Ron Mock has been covered in prayer by people who would not relent. And every time I see them, I'm reminded that God is good and he is forever faithful. And that he hears those who call out to him. And that he answers them in the way that is best and right. May we persist in our prayer individually. And may we persist collectively as a people. May we not give up. May we devote ourselves to prayer. May we pray continually and put those things in his hands. So here's your, here's your challenge this week. This is not a, um, a fasting challenge, actually. What I want you to do is on your handout, if you're taking notes, I want you to write um, your top three problems. I want you to write those, and, and then I want you 
to hang on to the handout. And this week, I want you to pray circles around your problems. Great or small, every time you say a prayer, I want you to circle the problem that you, one of those three, okay? And just keep circling. I want you to hold on to that through the week. And just look at yourself and see how faithfully and consistently and reverently you're praying over those things. Take the widow's example. And take the example of my friend who who literally walked circles of prayer around his concern. Every time you pray, circle it. And then let God handle it. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious. And let him handle it. He does, his arm is not too short and his ear is always open. Speaking of prayer, um, it's been great to go through this series on prayer. My family and I are going to Disneyland, so I would ask you to pray for us. Well, I'm going to be absent from the pulpit from the next three Sundays, and uh, Steve will be filling out, and I know he will do a great job. He always does. Uh, I hope that you will come and join us each of those following Sundays and certainly on October 22nd for the area-wide worship. And um, may I finish by saying this. All of us have problems great and small, but our eternal problem is sin. And there's only one who can handle that. We need to put that in his hands because he handled it. He paid for it so we wouldn't have to try to any longer. And if you haven't, if you haven't submitted your life, if you haven't yielded to him as Lord... If you haven't confessed him as Savior and been immersed for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you, you can do that this morning. You can stop worrying. You can stop fretting. You can stop feeling guilty. You can repent and find grace through Jesus Christ. And if you are ready to do that, we'll be glad to receive you. Or if you have any other need, please come as together we stand and sing.